amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hey guys, Micah Chen here from Cascadia Preps. Looking for the best coverage of high school football? Cascadia Preps is your number one stop for all things high school football, team rankings, game analysis, and weekly podcasts from around the state. Visit us today at CascadiaPreps.com. Five, four, three, two, one. Greetings and welcome into Huffman and Spencer for Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. I'm your host, Ryland Spencer of Cascadia Preps. Along with me, as always, Brandon Huffman of the Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation and 24-7 Sports. Brandon, just before we went on the air, I checked the standings for the baseball. Looks a little bit better for the uh, the old hometown nine here. Uh, half game up on your boys, huh? Or yeah. me, we were as of last night or of a little bit ago. I don't know if anything's I, happened. I, yeah, I believe that's still the case. But, you know, as we all predicted before the season, that the Ra- the Mariners and the Angels would be the two teams battling for <laughs> AL West supremacy. Yes. Hey, the, and and I think we all also predicted that the uh, the Oakland A's would have a lower attendance than, like, their AAA team, right? I think there might have been more people at the Auburn Riverside Auburn game last night than there had been at any of the Oakland A's games this year. And I don't blame A's fans at all. I mean – one, they raised prices after trading away like all of their best players. Like that's just insane to me. But that city has been very loyal to the Raiders and very mm-hmm. loyal, very, very loyal to the Warriors. Who, what from? I mean, when did Chris Mullen leave? Like ninety five. Like yeah. from then until I mean, that would have been what like a solid fifteen years or more. They were awful. They were not good. Like, they, yeah, maybe they made the playoffs here or there. But remember when they had those old, ugly, like, dark blue and orange and yellow jerseys? Oh, yeah. that They were really bad. Um, I'm trying to remember who was their – they had a really good point guard, though, around yeah, that Baron time. Davis. Yeah, who, Baron Davis. broke the world when he dumped on Andre Kirilenko <laughs> and basically destroyed the state of Utah. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, I don't blame A's fans at all. I mean, they're looking at it going, these guys are moving. Like, they are absolutely gone, and raising ticket prices and getting rid of all these players, which they've done multiple times, obviously, but getting rid of their best players, that's – the owner wants that team in Vegas. I mean, mm-hmm. they, he wants them in Vegas, and he wants them there right now. And the fact of the matter is, with their attendance right now now in uh, in Oakland, um, yeah, they could probably move them and play at that AAA stadium in Vegas and sell it out every single night, 
and eventually yep. build something better. Like, honestly, they could. I mean, I hate to say it because I feel bad for the people of Oakland because, you know, they supported the absolute crap out of the Raiders, and they were so bad. I mean, they were the laughing stock. Well, almost. There is one other team that I won't mention, but they're, they're the laughing stock of, for the most part, the NFL, and for a while they were. And they still supported that team. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. really did. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel bad for those guys. But, um, hey, before we get going, let's talk about the uh, Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation. Brandon, there you are you headed out of town? Is that what's going on here? Yeah. Speaking of the Bay Area, I will be in the Bay Area this weekend with my wife. We are heading down to meet at Stanford this weekend. Uh, with a researcher who we donated Avery's tumor to, who's been one of the leading researchers in the world. Uh, she's actually been at a symposium this week in the Midwest for some of the more prominent uh, researchers in this field. And then she's coming back in time to take us through the lab and one of the, the labs and, and research programs that our foundation is financially supporting. So we're going to get a good chance to spend some time there and, and you know, that will be one of our our next big uh, funding effort is that so we'll be in the Bay and I try to talk Amanda into going after the uh, after the Stanford visit on Friday I try to talk her into going to see the Giants play but she decided that you know that's more my jam so I will be going to the Oakland A Stadium in two weeks when I'm down there for the ESPN Under Armour Under Armour camp against the Angels so me and Greg Biggins will probably quadruple attendance that night. <laughs> have you been to a game at uh I don't even know what it's called now AT and T Park maybe the, the Oco oh I like uh the Giants the Oracle Park now. oh yeah. yeah my favorite stadium my favorite stadium really? in all of baseball to go see I didn't Love like it well you know I went down there in what would have been like the first weekend of actually it was the last weekend of the season last season so like what first weekend of October or something and I mean don't get me wrong beautiful ball ballpark on the water um I mean there's a lot to like. The concourses are unbelievably small. I mean, unbelievably small. Like I could not believe how hard it was to get around. Now, granted, it was a it was a full house that day. I mean, it was sold out. And I get it. If you sell out T-Mobile Park, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a bitch to get around there too. It is. But I couldn't believe how just tight everything was, and like that center field area. It was super cool out there. All those like little restaurants and like different things that they got out there. But the lines were so unbelievably long. Yes. There was a guy. So we actually had standing room only seats in right field. And we stood there. And there was a guy that got up in front of me. And he he goes, hey, if you want to sit in my seat for a little bit, go ahead. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. He went to center field to get some food. And he came back. He missed like three and a half innings. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I I was like, foods. that's not even like – I, I'm not missing that much time, and it's and you can't see the field from from back there, so it's not like you know it's not like you could stand there and watch the game. You got to watch it on a TV screen, and then you're paying twenty five dollars for a lobster roll, and it's like, I mean, you might as well just stay at home. And hey, I paid sixteen dollars for a plan to the elder there a couple of years ago. Whew. Yeah. Okay. So when we were there, um, and it was a really hot day that we were there. Eventually, we got around and we were like, you know what? We just need to get a we need to get a beverage of some sort. I think we had a I don't know, Jack and Coke or something. And two of them were like $32. Like, mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my they goodness. So, by the way, Climate Pledge, you were, Oracle was doing expensive beer way before you were. Yeah, yeah. 
um, that's what, and that's what I heard too. I heard that like they were one of the first ones to like really jack up the prices. I don't know if that's true. Obviously, I, I you know I'm sure the East Coast, I'm sure Yankee Stadium isn't cheap. I mean those tickets behind home plate are what like fifteen hundred dollars a game or something. Like yeah, that. Like, they exactly. <laughs> I you know it's funny, and I, and I get it. That's I don't know what they call it. There's it Legends Club or something. I can't remember what it is that's directly behind home plate, but. At a Mariners game, those same tickets were like a couple hundred bucks. At a at a Red Sox game, when I went, I got Reds a red a ticket six rows behind home plate for a hundred dollars. Now, granted, mm. there was no club level, you know, nothing special to it. It's just a ticket. But I'm like, that's all I want. <laughs> I don't need all that extra crap, man. I just want to go to yeah. a game and have a good seat, like you know. So I think I've said on the show before. I worked for Scott Boris for a year when yeah. I was uh, pre pre doing this and. We used to have tickets. The, the company had tickets. If, if you watch a lot of the games on television uh, back in the day, you would see Scott Boris behind home plate. And so we would have those MVP club seats. And I remember during the 2000, it was the year 2000 when I did it, and the Lakers won the NBA championship that year. And the Angels were so bad in that era during that time that I would go into the MVP club to watch the Lakers game. And basically, you know, you can get your food and your drink inside the stadium and you get it inside the MVP club. But the basketball game was more appealing than the baseball. It was definitely a social event. <laughs> that's actually really funny. Yeah, see, and that's and that's the kind of the thing, too, is it's a social event. And that's mm-hmm. that's just not me. I don't no. I don't go to sporting events to, to socialize. You know what I mean? Like, I guess maybe when I go to Thunderbirds games, you know, down in Kent, we all sit up in the corner. We just joke around, have a good time. But we're there to watch the game. Uh, you know, I don't go sure. to those games to hang out with my buddies. That's not why I'm there. I'm going to watch hockey, you know. And so it's the same. Like tonight I'm going to the Kraken game. I'm not going to hang out with my buddies. I'm going because I want to watch hockey, you know. Sure. The people that go to these games, like when I when I look at a Mariners game and I see all these people standing out in the pen, you know, mm-hmm. out in center field, and none of them are watching the game, I'm just like, oh, my God. My dad would – lose his mind like yep when i was a kid i remember i think about it now and i'm like i see these people that bring their kids and they bring like their game boy or whatever they're called i don't even know honestly i don't know what the little handheld games are called anymore (laughs) switches switch okay there you go oh is that the one that has like the little two controller looking things on the side sure I got kids. That's what I think one of my one of my kids plays. Yeah, well, I mean, I do. I definitely pay attention to what my kids are doing. Yeah, and here's the thing: like when I when when I'd go to games as a kid, if and I had a Game Boy when I was a kid, but and and I used to play Home Alone. That was such a great game. But when I'd go to games as a kid, if I even thought about asking if I could bring my Game Boy, my dad would have just floored me. Like, sure, my dad, I'm not paying for this ticket for you to come not pay attention. Like, you're going to watch the damn game. You're going to ask questions about the game. I'm going to tell you what's going on and why. And, like, that's what it was. And now I see these, the thing that drives me crazy is I see these parents and, like, they bring their kids and they bring all their video games or, like, toys, like, whatever it is they bring. And I'm like, wouldn't you have been better off to take that money that you spent on his ticket and his, you know, food and everything and just hired a babysitter? Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't you just been better off to do that and then enjoy the game by yourself, not having to carry around this freaking ugly kid all game? Like, hundred percent. I never understand that stuff. There was a there was a family that showed up next to us at a Seahawks game this year. I want to say it was the Cardinals game, and there was they they had the four seats to our right. And I always I always tell these people the people that show up opposing fans I always tell them the same thing. Hey, cheer your team on, have a good time. Don't talk bad about ours. When Seahawks fan, if if they do something stupid, I will be the first one to defend you and tell them to shut up. Like that's just sure. how I that's how I do things. And I'm I'm standing the the seat to my right 
was like a this kid. I mean, he couldn't have been more than five or six years old, and he spent the entire game sitting in the seat playing his little video game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, unless you got that ticket for free, how in the world could you possibly justify? Because I know what those tickets sold for because. I know the guy who owns those seats, and he told me he sold them for 150 bucks a pop. Well, you made 150 dollars for that kid to sit there and do nothing. He didn't. Yep. He didn't watch any of the game. And I'm like, what in the world? Oh my goodness! Yeah. But yeah. Uh, either way, um, before we move away from the foundation talk, I want to talk about for a second. You you were on a podcast with Yogi Roth. Now, yeah. It's called the It Factory, right? And that's his big thing, yes. like It, and like, do you love it? Like, have you ever seen the the old video on that's on YouTube, the Do You Love It video? <sighs> Maybe. He uh, he's got a couple of good clips. Like one of them is Sark, and he's like, I think he's talking to, it's not Matt Barkley. Maybe it is Matt Barkley. No, Mark Sanchez. He's talking to Mark Sanchez, and he's like, um, Hey, you know what? Sometimes when it's be- you know, <laughs> and I'll clean it up here sometimes when it's bad it's gonna be bad like you sometimes you can't turn chicken you know into chicken soup you know and and then he's got um pat rule and he's like <laughs> he's like they don't f with us we f with them and he's like all fired up but it's this kind of longer video and i'll attach it to the to the article here so you guys can see it um but i love yogi roth i love the things that he does actually as a matter of fact does anybody not like yogi roth like dude <laughs> Literally, I, I, I so every year I, on the signing day, both in January, December, and February, I go on the Pac-12 show with him and, and Guy Haberman. But before then, Yogi and I will break down the entire Pac-12 recruiting class, and it's usually a two or three hour talk. And I, I literally, I'll text him every time, say, "Dude, just it's great talking to you. Like, I want to be as happy about life as you are. Like, he just is the most positive yeah. person. You and, and it's it's all one hundred percent genuine. He genuinely is." the most positive, happy, encouraging person that you will meet. Like I've said on that podcast, and I'm sure you're going to touch on it. We need more Chris Peterson. We need more guys like Yogi because he just brings so much positivity in a negative era that we are living in. Yeah. And it's 100%. Like you said, it is 100% real. I mean, he's just, that's who he is. And that's, you know, and, and obviously, um, it's no secret, you know, I work for the guy, but, you know, Russell Wilson is very, very similar in that. Like, there's people out there, I see them all the time, they're like, oh, that guy's fake, you know, it's fake positivity, it's this, and it's like, no, you guys need to understand, that's legitimately the way that he thinks. Like, if the Seahawks have the ball and they're down by 14 with eight seconds left, somehow in his brain, Russell Wilson still thinks he can win the game. Well, I guess now the Broncos, right? But, like, that's who he is, that's how he is. And listening to Yogi Roth talk – one, it's just so much fun because of the positivity. Like, even if it's not ta- – like, you guys could be talking about nothing that affects me at all, and I could walk away from that, like, already having a better day, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you talked about – and I don't want to go too crazy into it because I want people to go listen to his podcast. And I'll, I'll attach the tweet um, where he talks about, you know, the easiest link to his podcast, blah, blah, blah. But you guys talk about, like, Chris Peterson – and I thought, you know, I don't want you to give the whole story, but kind of give like a, hey, this is the very brief version of it to kind of maybe tease people into going and listening. What was the Chris Peterson whole thing? Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Towards the end, I think it was. Well, you're talking about him visiting and yeah. – I'm trying to think when, gosh, 
because we taped that a few weeks ago. Okay, so uh, this is about Chris Peterson coming down to Tacoma to meet with you guys. Yeah, so this is like, that was in January of 2016. Uh-huh. Um, and when, when he did, when he texted, it literally was the night before the dead period ended, or the, that night at midnight, the dead period ended. And the next day coaches were able to go on the road and do in-home visits. Um, and so that would have been what mid January, uh, of 2016. Um, so six years ago, uh, and then we did that. We I'm trying to think that was late on Wednesday. It was on a Wednesday afternoon. Okay. I'm trying to, it's all kind of like yes. blurry right now. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it's, that was like towards the end of the, of the interview when Yogi got me, I'll tell you, he almost got me to cry a couple times. And I very rarely, I, I know how to keep my emotions in check when I'm talking because nobody wants to listen to a blurring fool. <laughs> but it's like, it's incredible how genuine he is about asking questions. And it just like makes you, it's, you share the story about people. And yeah. you get to see the genuineness of a person when you're sharing it. And I don't think that's a part that a lot of people know don't know. And of course you have your dumbasses that are on Twitter that like literally they watched that video and they wanted to, you know, correct the spelling. Like, get off Twitter, assholes. Hope Elon <laughs> Musk bans your sorry asses for stupid <laughs> stuff like that. That's the but stuff it, that needs like, to be banned, right? Yeah. If that's your takeaway from that tweet just to be freaking Twitter, you know, grammar guy, yes. go pound sand and choke on it. I completely agree. Then one of the other things you guys talked about, and I, and I loved this topic as well, is you guys talked about, you know, and I don't remember exactly how he set it up or what it was, but kind of talked about like, you know, what is advice for college coaches or something? And it, and, and you had a you had a great thing where you talked about like, coaches, put your phone away, get away from the office, go watch your kids play. Go watch mm-hmm. your son play in his baseball game. Go watch your daughter, you know, for you. Your daughter was a golfer. And I remember there was a there was a time where you and I were supposed to record and, and you said to me, Hey, can we can we do a short one today? Or or I think you ended up leaving the podcast early and I ended up continuing it on for like fifteen minutes because you're like, Hey, I gotta get out to the whatever the golf course was. I gotta go watch my daughter play. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, Yeah, great, do it. Like I want that, you know. I think back to when when I was a kid growing up, and like my mom never missed anything. My mom loved. My mom had no idea what was. My mom didn't know baseball. You know, she had no idea what was going on, but she knew I was playing, and she knew I was pitching that day, and she knew she was going to be there. You know, and I think about that, and it's like that's the thing that my mom passed away. You know, almost ten years ago now, and that's the thing I still think back on. I still think about that. I'm 38 years old. I'm about to be 39, and I still think about my mom doing that. And and you do a very good job of doing that. You were telling me just last night you were at a game and doing interviews or something. Yeah. I was just responding to some of my phone calls that I had missed over the course of the day. And I'm doing it out in the left field line of the Auburn, Auburn Riverside game. And in the middle of the conversation, my son got a base hit and, and I'm like, Oh, nice hit. And then the guy I was talking to on the phone was like, huh? I said, don't worry. I'm at a baseball game. It made sense <laughs> to him afterwards. And that's the thing. I, I think but you that's got something. Yeah. And, and, like, like I said, I'll, I'll link it so you guys can find the podcast. I think there's a lot of great stuff in there. And talking about, um, you know, about stepping away and, and, and being a parent first and foremost, you know. And I think there's a lot of stuff. Um, you know, one of the things I'm a firm believer of is, like, doing things the right way is always going to lead to better results. And so while short, short term may not be there, you know, so – 
let's just say if you're a college coach and 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 you know hey maybe maybe it seems like you know he he uh, a college coach was you know skimping out on something but he was going to his kids game guess mm-hmm. what that's going to make him more happy and him being more happy is going to make him a better coach and it's the same thing with the kids right so if mom and dad maybe sometimes show up or whatever when that when mom and dad aren't there trust me like the first time that kid may you know, over over press and, and, and you know, may go over four. But the next time that kid's gonna go one for four and it's gonna get better. And they're gonna get yes. more used to having it there. And that's you know, Brandon, one of the things I talk about in recruiting a lot for people because they're like, Oh, do I need to go to these camps? Do I need to go to this? Do I need to you know uh, think about going to college camps? I'm like, bro, you haven't played varsity yet. So instead of going to Texas A and M's camp or Florida's camp, go to Washington. Just go to the University of Washington. Go to PLU because they're right here in your backyard. Because really more than anything, if you are not being recruited yet, it doesn't make a ton of sense to go to those big camps as opposed to go to these smaller ones, get your feet wet, and get used to being in that big camp environment because the second you show up on one of those big campuses and you are now potentially being recruited, yeah, if you're not if you're not used to the environment, yeah, you might crap all over yourself. You know? I, I have seen guys like last year, you know, when, when the camp circuit returned because there was none in 2020 and, you know, everybody was cramming camps into June. There was a kid out West who sent out a tweet of the 19 camps he was going to in the month of June. And I remember sharing it with Biggins and Blair. I said, guarantee you this kid's going to get hurt. And sure enough, at the seventh camp he went to, it was like his seventh camp in the first 12 days of June, he snapped his hamstring, probably from overuse. Yep. And it's like, dude, you're, I mean, yes, that's great. You're, you're, you're flexing that you've got the, the resources needed to go to all of these camps. But holy hell, that was a terrible decision. And why are you going to that camp? Why are you going to the Alabama camp? They've already had their tight end position. or I can't remember what position it was. But it was like he was going to camps that they were already getting to members from 2024s at that time, which was still pretty early. Those guys were just finishing their freshman year. And he's going to those camps, and it's like, great, that's going to be a cool Instagram photo that you went to this camp, and you maybe got to snag a picture of the side with Nick Saban. But now you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to be impossible to play this fall, and you're going to a camp that they weren't even looking at you for anyways. So I'm not saying it's like, hey, don't go to a drink. If you always dream of going to camp at Notre Dame, then freaking go to Notre Dame. But don't expect Notre Dame to sit there and go like, man, dude, we've had Rick Myrer, we've had Ron Paulus, we've had Ian Book. We want you to be our next – oh, wait, we've already got quarterback commitments to the next two classes. Cool. Thanks for your $40, $45. I can give our quality control assistants some pizza this, this evening. Yeah, you and the other 85 quarterbacks. Like, Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. That showed up that had no chance. And that's where, um, and you know what, before we go further, well, two things I want to say. One, with the Avery Hoffman DIPG Foundation, make sure to visit everything over there, AveryStrongDIPG.org, AveryStrongDIPG on all social medias. Um, and before we get to, because I, I think we're leading into pet peeves here, which is great because mm-hmm. we've got a couple of good ones here. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody the PLU camp is coming up on June 25th. Um, their website is info info.abcsportscamps.com, I believe, uh, backslash PLU. Um, or you can search PLU football camp on Google and you can find it very easily. Mount Tahoma High School is hosting a 7-on-7 lineman competition in July uh, 16th, 17th, somewhere right around there. It's a Saturday. Um, if you would like more information on that, you can just direct message me if you're a coach um, or email me, Spencer at CascadiaPreps.com, and I can put you in the right direction. Now, Brandon, over the weekend, there was a couple of spring games. There were some junior days, all kinds of stuff going on, and you and I are getting Also, congr- yeah, congratulations to the 37 teams that just won the national championship based on their <laughs> spring game result. Yeah, because they played themselves in a two-color game. And, like, yeah, congratulations to Oregon and USC for both going 37-0 and 0 this next year. Yeah, you know what's always funny to me when I watch, uh, <laughs> when I watch spring games? People are like, oh, man. Do you see that? The offense looked awesome. And I'm like, yeah, but that also means the defense looked like crap. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's great or, that your offense. God, we have so stuff. many good quarterbacks. We don't know, <laughs> even know. No, two of your quarterbacks suck. It just means that your second string and third string defense suck more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, spring games are always funny. Like, to me, I've been to a couple of spring games before. To me, spring game is nothing more than just, hey, let's get the alumni on campus. Let's get the fans on campus and just have a good time. Like, that's all mm-hmm. it that's all it should be. Um like there's been so many times over the years where we've seen like, oh, this guy really stood out in the spring game, blah blah, you know, all this stuff and oh, wait a minute, but you know, this guy's a walk on. It's like, yeah, because he was playing against other walk ons. That's why he looked mm-hmm. good. No offense to the kid. I'm sure he works his ass off. But come, you know, September, unless they're blowing out, you know, UC Davis by forty, that dude ain't seeing the field. Like, chill a little bit here. Um <laughs> I have some other spring game pet peeves. Oh, one well, is hold, this coach is the, okay. Yeah, well, because I, this, no, this actually, you know what? Go go ahead because I because I like this. I like this. I like where we're headed with these pet peeves. By the way, this is sponsored by at Lakes Lancers on Twitter, who loves when we go crazy <laughs> about this stuff. But go ahead. I, I would say that the, probably the biggest takeaways is that no matter what, the new coaches embrace the alumni better than the previous coach did, even though. The previous coach had 100 alumni at the game last year. This new coach has done a better job of recapturing the alumni, the football alumni, and their love for the school better than the predecessor did. Our strength and conditioning coach has these guys hurting in spots they didn't even know could be sore. Our <laughs> offensive coordinator, who's never called plays, is going to be the reason we beat Kirby Smart this year. Like, oh my gosh, I just sit there and I love watching Twitter on a spring game. Like, Dude, there are teams that'll go three and nine, and you would have you would expect them to beat the seventy-two Dolphins with the way that their spring game looked. And then there's the other fan bases that are 
like the self-loathing fan bases. They go 10-2, and two and they're like, yeah, but we'll never be good enough to go 11-1. and one. And they'll have a good spring game. Yeah, that was basically a practice. Like, we still suck. We can't tackle anybody. Or, you know, we scored 48 points. That means our defense gave up 48 points against our offense. It's such a emotional roller coaster. Yeah, take it from a guy, from a Nebraska fan here. The, you know, well, let me put it to you this way. Like, Bo Pelini ran himself out of town because of some of the things that he said about Nebraska fans in general. But the years of 10-win football, I would kill to have those. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to win a national title every year. I'm looking at a thing right here, Brandon, on my wall. National champions, 1970, 71, 94, 95, 97. Yeah, I, I wish we were in the conversation, but we're not. But you know what? Oh, I would be so happy for 10 wins. 10 wins Absolutely. and a good bowl game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when people just lose their mind, like, when I'm seeing college coaches, like, on the hot seat, I'm like, that guy won 10 games five years in a row, and then he won eight this year, and all of a sudden you people want to fire him? <laughs> what is it, wrong it's incredible. With you? you know, then you have places, like, one of the places I truly respect and maybe it's because I do actually really like the guy, but like Oklahoma State, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, I think is a great example of like, yeah, they have some down years here or there, but they're always at least one of the better teams in the Big Twelve. And you know what? Every couple of years, they're in you know a New Year's Six bowl game, or they're at least in the conversation late into the season. And it's like, look, if you're out of the conversation by week four, that's a problem. That's yes. a real problem. But if you're in the conversation, if you're in the hunt for at least like a league title or something all the way into the middle of November, I don't know that you have a ton to complain about. I really don't. There, There's, I saw, you know, and granted, I didn't think Clay Helton was a very good coach at USC, considering how good USC is, but I will say somebody made reference to him the other day and basically said, oh, you know, him being at, it was in this ranking the higher, and somebody said, you know, he could end up having a Frank Solich-like term at Georgia Southern, you know, a guy who didn't meet the expectations at the previous school yeah. and now he's at a new school and you know he he's probably better off as a g5 coach and then you just kind of see where it goes from there but like i i look at that and i go you know how much would nebraska give to have frank solich back at this point oh yeah well i mean especially because they went from frank solich to bill callahan and instantly went in the dump i mean mm-hmm. it was like <laughs> they didn't even wait around like <laughs> they, they went right into the dump and the thing about Solich, too, is he was a Nebraska guy, played at Nebraska. You know, he coached there from, what, like, late 70s until they canned him in, what was it, 03, I believe. Um, you know, and then he took, I think he took a year off, and then he had a lot of success. I mean, a lot of success at uh, Ohio. I mean, they were in bowl games a lot. I don't care that it's like, you know, the Beefo Brady Bowl or, like, the Idaho Potato Bowl or, you know, whatever, like these crazy names that, you know, change all the time and stuff. I don't care. You're going to a bowl game every single year at a place like the University of Ohio? That's, mm-hmm. like, the guy knows how to coach. And and the fact of the matter is when he was at Nebraska, people seem to forget this. When he was at Nebraska, one, he took him to the Rose Bowl, which was a national championship game that year. Um, they were in a bowl game every single year. And he... I want to say, let's see, off the top of my head, I'm going to say he won over 10 games three times. And then he won nine, nine, I think he won seven, and then he was uh, fired after winning nine games, if I can remember correctly. Yep. And it's like, what are you doing? 
this guy, you just finished second. But that was a stupid athletic director that wanted to bring his guy in, and he did it. And Callahan, I mean, completely took them away from their identity. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Nebraska probably didn't need to be running, you know, wishbone, you know, triple option stuff anymore. And look, I'm perfectly fine with that. But you don't just completely abandon and go. <laughs> they went West Coast offense, and for what? Seven, eight years, they did not even have a quarterback that could throw the slant. You know, like, no. was it Jamal Lord? Was that the quarterback? I'm trying Jamal, to Jamal, yep. They had Jamal Lord. They had, that was right after Bobby Newcomb, because Newcomb was between Frost and Crouch, right? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Bobby Newcomb would have been, no. You know what? I can't remember. All those quarterbacks were all like the same. <laughs> they were all the same. They just they, had they different were very names and Because you had, you had uh, Frost, and then, yeah, Crouch came a couple years after that. I'm trying to remember who was in there between those two. Maybe it was Bobby Newcomb. Who should have just been playing receiver the whole time anyway? Yeah, um, that was a high school coach in Arizona with two sons that are really good football players. Really? Yeah. Uh, yep. I always liked him. He was a good player. I mean, he was definitely athletic. There was no doubt in that. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. Uh, it, that stuff just drives me nuts when I watch it because I'm like, dude, why are you guys not happy with ten wins? Like, yeah, ten wins in in college football or the NFL is very good. Like, ten wins in the NFL is awesome. Um, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean. There's there's some teams out there that would like to just get one. Okay, the Browns have done it like once in the last 25 years. <laughs> it ain't easy. It's, it, it is easy. It's actually what easier year did the Browns, Browns come back? Two thousand uh, nineteen ninety nine. So they left after the ninety five season. Yep. Ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. They were just the Baltimore Ravens, and then in ninety nine is when they returned. And then the two thousand season, the the Browns' second season back was the year that the Baltimore Ravens won their first Super Bowl. Yeah. So Doesn't okay. Hurt. So remind me here too. When they left, it was pretty much known that another team was coming back sometime soon, right? Yeah. The next round of expansion expansion teams, yeah. and that's why the Houston Texans got got added in two thousand two was because then they had competitive uh, or they were imbalanced. So there was only yes. at the time there was only twenty eight NFL teams because there was twenty six teams, and they added the Panthers and the um, Jags. Panthers of the Jags. Uh, so there's 28 teams. They have the Panthers of the Jags. They get 30. Then they added the Browns to make it 31. But then they brought the Texans back in to make it 32. So, and you've been a longtime Browns fan. So 1986, 1985, 80, early 80s. Okay. So when they leave and you know, like, hey, we're getting them back in a few years, but we don't maybe necessarily know right now. Were you just like not really into the NFL for a couple years or what? No. What, what kind of went on? So. There? I remember reading this article about a fan in, like, I think it was like a Giants fan, San Francisco Giants fan. And remember there was talk about, before the Tampa Bay race came, there was talk about San Francisco moving to Tampa Bay. And they had built Tropicana Dome, and they were trying to woo the Giants because they are still playing at Candlestick Park. Well, this Giants fan wrote a letter to the Giants owner and said, I'm giving up my fandom, you know, because of this, and I'm going to root for somebody else. So... I did what any logical Browns fan would do. I tried to hit Art Modell hurt, and I had started to watch the Steelers more and more because I, you know, even though I'm a Browns fan, Rod Woodson's my all-time favorite NFL player. Keep in mind, this is towards the end of Rod Woodson's time with the Steelers, but I liked it. They, you know, they had Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green and Levant. Oh, you know, yeah. We talked about that Steelers team, you know, yeah. Carnell Lay, all those dudes. So they were fun to watch. Cordell Stewart was coming into his own, but I'm like, I feel dirty watching the Steelers and being emotionally invested. <laughs> yeah. So I just watched the NFL 
for what it was. And ironically, the Broncos, the team I despise more than any team in the world, won two Super Bowls during that span. Um, but, you know, I'm a huge college football guy. I, I love the draft. I watched the draft. I can tell you, and this is before I was following recruiting as heavily as I do now, that draft, that first draft that the Browns had, and I'm sorry, the Baltimore football team had, they didn't have a nickname yet. They drafted with the third pick. The first offensive lineman to go was Jonathan Ogden. And then the last pick in the first round, they went with Ray Lewis. So the Baltimore Ravens, in their first year, established by getting, you know, a Pro Bowl, a Hall of Fame off the tackle and a Hall of Fame linebacker in their first two picks. And then Ozzie Newsom in his final gift to the AFC North drafts Lamar Jackson in his last draft. Like, that's what irked me. Because I knew how good Ogden and Ray Lewis were. Now, did I know the Ravens were going to win the Super Bowl? No. Because the Steelers were still the, the, the alphas in the AFC Central at that time. But in years past, you look back and you're like, gosh, they got two cornerstones of a team that's pretty much thrived because it had pretty good coaching. I mean, the Ravens have been probably one of the most consistent teams in the NFL for the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, they really have. And it makes like, me mad. Yeah. They, like that's actually one of the more like impressive like not impressive i mean it is, it is impressive but it's like one of the more what am i trying to say here like underrated franchises in the nfl like they don't get probably as much credit as they deserve for being consistently good i mean they they really have been and they've they've always had a good defense which is crazy too like they've changed their style over the years like it's it's pretty wild what they've done there but yeah, so let's go. Uh, let's go full bowler. Oh wait, you know what? Want to thank Scott Eklund first time. What's that? Scott Eklund, DocMan.com. Thank him first time, uh, Jim. <laughs> um, so one of the things that, and and this goes off the uh, the spring game talk that we had here, um, <laughs> that actually led into all of a sudden we're talking about the AFC North. Um, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it funny how that happens? Um, we transition and segue. Yes, I know. Like it's funny because I have this whole list of like stuff I want to talk about, and before you know it, I'm like, I'm like, oh crap! Like we don't even have time for any of this stuff. Um, all these spring games going on this last weekend, though, and there was there was. I'm just gonna say it this way because I don't know that there's like an easier way to do it, but like I I see a lot of people tweeting from those games. Um, when, or excuse me, student athletes, um, recruits, if you will, and. There's a lot of you out there that vi- that went to the wrong spring game this weekend, and um, I saw a lot of people, a lot of guys tweeting from um, Wazoo that should have been probably at Central, and this is where we talked about it. I think last week or the week before, and we talked about the idea of you know recruiting has to be with your head and not with your heart. Now I'm not telling people, hey, don't chase your dreams, don't try, don't even try to go to Wazoo. But the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of people in this state, and and every year, even with, uh, even with preferred walk-ons, Wazoo's typically only bringing in five or six guys. Central Washington's bringing in like 25 or 26 guys. I mean, they just are. So when you look at your odds and stuff and, like, what makes more sense and and about being realistic, probably should have gone to Central Washington's camp or, excuse me, spring game because Central Washington also right now, they're going through some coaching changes at different positions. Um, I believe it did I hear – I don't know if I heard this right. Was Mike Ferreter? Is he the, the new offensive coordinator over there? I, I thought somebody so. told me that. And he was, the, he was recruiting this area for Idaho State. I mean yeah. – 
he has connections out here. Like he knows these guys. He knows these kids. When you show up wearing a, you know, I don't know. I'm just gonna say Juanita because that's where I went. But when you show up wearing a Juanita shirt, like he knows who Juanita is. You know, yeah. he knows where Juanita High School is. And and then you look at some of the new some of the new coaches on the staff. Chris Schlichting, Mount Sai. Yeah. Jojo Halal, Mount Sai. Dante Hamilton, Kamiak. You show up wearing something from this from our area. They're instantly they instantly know who you are and they'll talk to you and they'll they'll try you know they'll at least at least approach and talk and and it's no offense to the Wazoo coaching staff but like most of the kids that are coming out to your major FBS programs they are excuse me the coaches are looking for specific guys when they are there you're gonna see the linebackers coach looking for specific linebackers that they are actively recruiting. And then you're going to have, you know, assistant um, player personnel guys or recruiting guys or whoever dealing with all of the other kids. And I look at it, I'm just like, man, you guys, like, I get it. We all want to go, you know, big, as big as we can. We all want to go to Wazoo. I would have loved to play at Nebraska back in the day, although I would have got my ass kicked. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But, like, <laughs> openly admit that. But, like, all that. And, and it's just, man, can we, please, please, people, just use our brains. Because when you look at things and you look at how many, you know, what the odds are, it's already incredibly slim. And if you're going to pass up a place like a Central Washington or a PLU or somewhere that maybe gives you a better opportunity to come in, then that's just a mistake. And then people wonder why it is they're not being, quote unquote, slept on. And it's like, no, I've said it before, Brandon, and I know, and I know it cracks up a lot of people. More often than not, it's not about schools or people sleeping on you. It's about you sleeping on yourself. And you doing it wrong, and you going about the process all wrong, quote unquote, the process, right? And it's like, man, you know, I see these guys going to camps at, you know, out of state, and it's like, you know, you're going to a camp in Arizona, you know, or you're going to the University of Arizona's camp because they sent you, and this is just completely, I'm picking on Arizona for no reason, but you're going to the University of Arizona camp when. That same weekend is the PLU camp that's going to have, 
you know, 30 colleges at it, and they're all going to be guys that want to recruit this area, which is why they came to Tacoma to recruit and to attend this camp. And I just, I mean, it's so frustrating to watch, and I'm sure there's a million stories you and I could tell, and we could go, I mean, we could literally do like a, I mean, we could write a book, but we could like do an entire like two-hour podcast just telling stories about like stupid moves that people have done in recruiting. You know, mm-hmm. and so that's the thing, man. You got to build these relationships and do this stuff, but but it's kind of a pet peeve in mine where I watch it and I'm like, bro, you're you're a five foot eleven, two hundred and ninety pound defensive tackle, and you were honorable mention all league, and you're at an FBS school because you think what? Like, what do you think is going to happen here? <laughs> that's it's it's not going to happen. It's probably not even going to happen at an at, at an FCS. It might not even happen at a, at a D2. But you know what? You're way more likely at a D2 than you are at an FCS or, or FBS. 100%. Like, you know, can we... and, and I think some of this also has to do with people not reaching out to their high school coach at times. Because mm-hmm. I think at times there are – and I've had conversations with people recently where they're like, hey, what do you think of this, da 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 da, da. And I say – have you spoken to your head coach? Have you sat down with the head coach at your high school and just said, hey, can we sit down one day and just talk recruiting? Because more often than not, uh, if you're, let's just say, a five foot eleven offensive lineman, that head coach is probably going to go, yeah, I don't think we should go to Wazoo. I mm-hmm. don't think maybe we should go look at, at Central um, or Appeal. Like, they're going to be realistic with you. Because the last thing they're trying to do is send you on all these camps, go go waste your money to all these different places. It's just, I don't know, it's really, really frustrating to watch, Brandon, and I'm sure you see it on a much bigger scale than I do. All the time, and that's the problem is that, like, I, I realize you have dreams, but do your homework, do your research ahead of time. The Don't go to 30 camps when you can go to one mega camp with 32 different staffs there. That way you're not snapping your hamstring. You know, if you've got the resources, that's great, but it's still just not common sense. Like, that's just overusage. Your body is not built for that. And, I mean, what, Tuesdays are the day that the NFL gives the players off during the season? Yes. And they're in the middle of the season. So why are you doing 18 camps in a 30-day span plus travel? That's just stupid. But, like, go where you might have a chance to be seen. And so, you know, going to Notre Dame's camp is great if you've always dreamed of being Rudy Rudiger. But – PLU is great because you're going to have schools from all shapes and sizes there. And while you may hope to get on, you know, your eyes or your your body be eyed by Jim Harbaugh. Okay, that sounded really weird. You're hoping that you get seen by Jim Harbaugh. You might be more realistically getting looked at by Brant McAdams. And that's okay. You're still going to have the opportunity to play college football. But just be realistic in what you're signing up for. Yeah, guess what? All of that money that you spent traveling around to all of those places – would have been better to save because you're going to need to pay to go to school somewhere else. Yes, Just the, exactly. It's the cold hard facts, if you will. The what? Who is it that used to do that? Wasn't it like, uh, was it Coors Light or something? Cold hard facts or something. The cold hard facts. Yeah, I think yeah. It was Coors Light. Yeah, and it's like that's it's just the truth. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with playing D three ball. Look, if you want to play college okay. football, like it, you know, Brandon. One of the things, and this is this is one of those things that's it's kind of funny because like. The people that you are covering and the people that I that I cover, we, we've talked about it before. Different people, like different kids. You're covering those top kids that, you know, have a lot of recruiting buzz at the highest levels. I'm 
here literally to cover everybody else. And the thing that like cracks me up when I think about it, the guys that you're looking at, the guys that you, Brandon Huffman, are, are spending the most time on are guys that are using football to, to go get their education, okay? The guys I'm looking at are the ones that are using the education and, the, and those to play four more years of football. And there's nothing wrong with either way of doing it. None. Fact of the matter is I know a lot of guys. I know a lot of guys that are high school coaches that played – actually, I would be willing to bet, bet that there's more high school coaches that play D3 ball than any other level of play because those are the guys that love football. You know, I'm not saying that a Division One guy doesn't love football, but those guys are paying, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year to go to school, and then they're playing at, you know, glorified high school stadiums. Some of them, you know, like, I mean, I mean, there are, well, <laughs> and now this sounds like I'm talking bad about PLU. They legitimately do play at a high school stadium, right? Like, yeah, they do. And it's no offense to the Baker Bowl, I think it's what it's called down there, or maybe Baker Field, Baker Stadium, or something down there at UPS, but like. There's better high school stadiums out there, you know? And it's like, it, it's no offense to those schools. Their game days are awesome. Like, in a game day at a D3 place is awesome. You have a lot of alumni come back, you know, like different things. And it's it's cool. It's great. It's 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 college football, for the love of God, you know? Like, yep. You know, and I think NAIA programs get, get, you know, completely brushed aside a lot. And I mean a lot. And those NIA, you go, go out and watch a game at Montana Tech and tell me that those people out there don't love the ore diggers. You know what I mean? Like, hundred percent. Their fans are absolutely nuts. You're getting a great education. You're, it's, it's a reasonable price. And you know what? There's a thing, and I'll give a little hint here. There's a thing called the WUE, the Western Undergraduate Exchange. Go apply for that because you can get in-state tuition prices as an out-of-state student athlete. And guess what? At some places, all it takes is a click. On the application, all you have to do is like check a box at at a, at a lot of these places. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of annoying. Um, speaking of annoying, Brandon, um, <laughs> what night was it? Uh, was it Monday? Yeah, Monday. I went down and watched Juanita and like Washington play baseball. Uh, not too far from my house. I love Peter Kirk Park. I went down as much maybe for the baseball as I did for the uh, double bacon cheese, and then it wasn't even open, and so it kind of broke my heart. But I decided to stick it out. Stick it out, watch some baseball, uh, Crosstown Rivals. And um, by the way, there's a freshman pitcher <laughs> – this kid was a freshman pitcher at Lake Washington that was throwing like 80. Uh, little lefty. I mean, little, li- little lefty. But, dude, that guy could sling it. His curveball, man, he had some bite. <laughs> there thought. That kid is, gonna, like, as long as he continues working, doing his thing, that kid's going to be really good. But that being said, you've been around a lot of baseball. Uh, your son plays baseball. Um, this is could be looked at as a direct shot towards you, although I know that you're different. Hmm. There is not a more set, like a more annoying set of parents than baseball parents. Holy mm-hmm. crap. I stood there listening to parents from both sides. One, they're like bickering at each other at times. And I'm like, what, what are we doing here? Then they're, and, and this is the perfect way to say it, a bunch of just passive aggressive morons that sit there and talk bad about the umpire without actually talking to the umpire, you know? Oh, Johnny, don't worry, don't worry, little Johnny, that ball, that ball was outside. Don't, don't, yeah, get up there, get some hacks, that ball was outside, and I'm like, 
Why don't you just tell the umpire that you think he sucks? As though, like, you have a better view than he does when you're 25 feet up the first baseline. Like, <laughs> what, you think you have a better view than what the umpire has? You know, and they're, oh, little Johnny. Guess what? <coughs> tell little Johnny to swing the damn bat, and he probably wouldn't have mm-hmm. a problem because that ball was on the plate. Like, how about, mommy and daddy bought you the bat, Johnny. You, and you know what else was crazy to me? I couldn't believe how many people um, they put, like, their little uh, GoPros, like, on the backstop. That was crazy to me. Like, there was a ton of them. And there was one guy that had, like, a – it almost looked like a phone. I don't know exactly what he was using there. But it almost looked like a phone. And then he had a radar gun plugged into it. I was like, whoa, like, this is wild. There's so many things up there recording. There was one dad that would come down, and every time his kid was up at bat, he'd come down and grab his phone and, like, hold it up against the fence. It was funny, too. I swear, like, these people must know where to put these little cameras because every single time there was a foul ball straight back, it, like, hit one of them. I'm like, dude, that's like a $600 GoPro. <laughs> You're attached to a fence. But that being said, Brandon, you are a baseball parent. I'm not speaking specifically at you. And and I will say there was a lot of good baseball parents there too. But I've been around – I've been to a lot of basketball games. I've been to, obviously, a lot of football games. I've been to some other sports. I've never seen it as bad as baseball. Yeah, it's it's been bad for a number of years. Scott Pollard, who played in the NBA, played in Kansas, played in the NBA – uh, he's a dad now lives, I think in San Diego tweeted that games were canceled because of the lack of umpires. And, you know, I've been known to criticize officiating, but mostly because I watch Pac-12 football. So I see bad officiating all the time, but I never yell at a ref. Even when I'm at a game and I see it just egregiously bad, I don't ever yell at a ref. I just, you know, may tweet, Oh, some curious calls here today. But like the stuff you hear and you listen to with parents, it's just, it's incredible. Like I've been going to, you know, my son's baseball game since he was five and the stuff that they say to these umpires. And I remember my son was asking me if he could umpire one year. I'm like, yeah, I hope you have thick skin. You know, you're, you're basically dealing with the same idiots that I am, but except that they're not sending it to you via email. They're just yelling it at you. And it's the passive aggressive text. I mean, or uh, passive aggressive remarks. Come on, Johnny. You know, we're sorry that the ump is blind. And he's missing all these calls because he's a terrible umpire. And then they get mad when the ump responds. Well, why are you even listening to us? Well, you're standing 20 feet behind me and you're spewing, you know, crap for 20 minutes. You're darn right I'm going to respond. And it's gotten worse and worse. And it's only going to get worse and worse as, you know, the the club and travel sports game continues to be as expensive as it is. You know, your son's going to get a scholarship and his first round draft pick status in that 8U game. So keep yelling at the umpire. That's going to be the difference between Johnny having his dream of being the next Mike Trout or Johnny setting – spending his Saturdays, um, you know, eating trout because, you know, he's not Mike Trout. That was a terrible analogy, but you get my point. <laughs> and I think that's where, you know, I, these umpires, they're not perfect. If they were perfect, they wouldn't be umpires. You know, they're, they're a human. I even tweeted the other night that I'm like, hey, tell me more about robot umpires because Shoyu Otani struck out on two pitches that were outside the strike zone. But I only want the, the robot umpires when it's hosing my team. I want the human umpires when it's helping my team. You know, it's like, that's the thing. People get all over umpires because they feel it's a personal affront to them and to their kid, and then it's ruining their kid's future. Dude, your son sw- swung and missed the ball. The umpire had nothing to do with that. Okay, well, it was an 0-2 pitch, and, you know, he called two bad strikes. Well, you know what? Then hit the ball in the third strike. Don't swing and miss. Like, it, it's simple. Maybe pay him extra money for those private b- batting lessons that your kid's taking, and he'll hit the ball, and he won't strike out, and you won't get mad at Johnny Umpire. But parents just shut the hell up and let these guys make their fifteen, twenty dollars an hour. No, oh, in their high school, they're making more. Who the hell cares? Yes. I don't care if they're making forty dollars an hour and they're in high school. They're volunteering their time. Okay, they're not volunteering their time. They're giving up their time to let you and your son have something that you're not deserving, that you don't 
it's not a requirement that your son plays baseball. It's not a requirement that your son has an umpire there to play. The umps, if they are there, they're there. And if they're not, then they're not. And you're not having a game. You're having a scrimmage. Suck it up. Deal with it. Stop being a-holes in these umps and they'll come. Yeah. And, you know, I saw some people that were complaining also like, well, you know, part of it has to do with the pay. And I'm like, no. Like, no, I'm sorry. People that are umpires, they're not doing it because of the pay. Like, they're not doing it. They're doing it because they like doing it or, you know, there's different things. But you know what? When you So when I was a kid growing up, you didn't really hear parents going after umpires, didn't really hear a lot of that stuff. It would happen on occasions. But for the most part, it was not like they didn't go after him. It was like it was off limits to go after the umpire. Now it's like mm-hmm. some people are like, oh, I'm I'm glad Steve's saying something about it because you know I would. And it's like, well, but you're no, that's not good for anybody to be saying something about it. When I grew up, I thought like, hey, it'd be fun to umpire baseball. When I was like 19, 20, 21, I did umpire quite a few baseball games, and I had a great time doing it. And I think I was getting paid, if I can remember right, I was getting paid like. $15 a game and you would have to do uh, I want to say you'd have to do three games in a row and this was shoot what was I doing like 10 11 year olds you know what I mean so it's not like I was doing a, a big level but I was doing it just because I wanted to get better at it and see if it was something I wanted to do and for me it just became I was working too much to the point that I couldn't you know do it anymore but you it wasn't about and, and you know what I volunteered on quite a few games just so that I could get more work like I did it quite a quite often mm-hmm. actually um and th- and that's the thing is like I look at this and I'm like look I get it yeah little Johnny was was safe by two feet but you know what little Johnny being safe by two feet at the age of 12 should not like rattle him to the point that he wants to stop playing baseball and if he's good enough to get into the major leagues uh being out you know as a 12 year old isn't going to make a difference no (laughs) you're going to get out unless you're the reincarnated Tony Gwynn you're going to get out you know 65 out of every 100 times that you're up to bat you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed and you're going to be really good if you do that Yes, like that's the crazy thing. You could fail seven out of ten times and be a freaking all star. <laughs> like, you could you, fail, you could win the silver slugger and and fail even more than that as long as you're hitting I the mean, ball hard. Think about it. You get a forty percent in high school. You're failing, and your parents are threatening that you're going to be you know working on the docks or in the mill for the rest of your life. You do you fail sixty percent of the time in baseball. You're getting awards named after you. Yes, exactly. That's like. And and obviously this is like as much about like parents need to chill. I even saw some of the kids out there were like, you know, there'd be a ball. And and don't get me wrong, like I don't think the. This is what I always say when it comes to umpires. And like the worst thing about Major League Baseball and, and Mariners Twitter is really really bad. But the worst thing about Major League Baseball is they have all these cameras. They have all this stuff that is like pinpoint accuracy of the ball. And it's like, okay, do we really need that? Like I'm sorry, mm-hmm. as if if an umpire is calling a. If if it's if it's a strike and it's just a smidge off the plate, if he calls out a strike in the first inning for both teams, and he calls it a strike in the fifth inning for both teams, and he calls it a strike in the eighth inning for both teams, I don't care if it maybe was slightly a ball. Uh, I'm perfectly fine with that because he's consistent, and that's what I care about more than anything. Because people get mad, you know. It's a couple what was it last week or something? 
um, I got an argument with some people on Twitter, and, and I look back on it and I just laugh because I'm like, why did I even care? But I look back on you know, or the whole thing was about like Julio Rodriguez, and like I I'm sorry, but there there was a strike three that was pretty close that he needed to swing at and he didn't, and he didn't swing at strike one or strike two either in that at bat if I can remember correctly, and it's like. Bro, you, you you put yourself in that situation, and then you didn't protect the plate, and it drives yep. me nuts because I see people just losing their minds. Well, guess what? Last night, uh, there was a ball outside that was that would have been uh, ball four, and the Mariners pitcher got got a strike call out of it. But I didn't see anybody complaining about that because it went their way, and it's like, <laughs> you know, hey, you know can't I have it both ways, people. I'm a, I'm a Lakers fan, so you know everybody says in the NBA, well, the stars get the calls, and it all it goes back to the Jordan rules. Yes. And you know, have I liked the fact that you know maybe the 2002 Western Conference Finals may have been tainted by horrible officiating? Sure, doesn't matter. I still got my 2002 Lakers championship T-shirt, suck in Sacramento. <laughs> but like, I hear this all line. Well, these these pro players should these major leaguers should get those calls. Well, no, they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. They 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 know what it's like to to have a tight strike zone. You know, and I always laugh because my son's a catcher. So when he complains about the catching, I'm like, or, or about some of the pitch calls by the ump, I'm like, oh, did you complain about it when he gave you that exact same pitch when you were catching? <laughs> well, no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and, oh, well, it happened in the ninth inning. They shouldn't call a strike. Well, yeah, they should if it's a strike and they didn't swing, but it was a strike. Call the strike. I don't care what inning it is. Imagine that mentality in like other walks of life. Like, Oh, well, you know what? We're going to let Bernie Madoff off, you know, because you know what? He did do a lot of great things earlier in his life that led to him having a lot of money to be able to screw a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people out of money. We're, we're going to let that call go. We're- Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We're not going to go after Bernie Madoff because all the things, like. <laughs> It's such a weird, like, and don't get me wrong, like, look, you know, is uh, is Julio Rodriguez getting, you know, the shaft a little bit? Yeah, he kind of is. Like, I mean, I, I've I've watched every Mariner game, I think, this season except for one, and that guy has watched strike three go by like 14 times or this early <laughs> in the season. And don't get me wrong, like, 10 of them are balls. Like, they are, they are a ball. But, like... 
seven of them are close enough that with two strikes, he should probably be swinging. You know, like, I don't have a problem saying that guy should be swinging. And all these people that instantly want robot umpires and like, oh, just, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I actually, the thing, you know what I actually hate? I hate instant replay. I'd rather get rid of instant replay than add robot umpires. I, I hate the fact that it's like, look, if a call, this, this is in the NHL too. The NHL is really bad with this, although they've gotten a lot better. But if there's a offsides call in the NHL, and it is so close that you have to stop it frame by frame to even see if it was offsides, guess what? It was on and we're good. Let's play. <laughs> you know, like it. Go, the Andres Galarraga, I think it was, wasn't he the one with Jim Joyce where he threw a perfect game and then got screwed? Uh, oh, with the no, it was that. Uh... It was uh, not Andres. It, it was Armando. Colorado. Yeah. Yes. That one. Not the, big, not the big cat. Yes. Yeah. Actually, he was great, wasn't he? That dude he could hit awesome. some bombs, man. Um, I have a. I have actually. I have one of his cards around here somewhere. I think he was with the Expos on the card. I can't remember. He started out with the Expos, then he went to the Rockies. Yes, man. He was good. He was really, really good. I, I remember that guy hitting a home run in the upper deck of the of uh, Robbie uh, Joe Robbie Stadium. That I think it might have even been a grand slam, dude. That ball, I've never seen a home run in the upper deck like that at that stadium where it was like still rising when it hit halfway up the upper deck. It was insane. Anyway, um, yeah, you know what? We got a couple other things that we want to talk about here. I think we'll push those the next week. Um, some transfer portal data that I think is going to be fun to talk about. Uh, some legislation in California. Let's talk five names and get out of here. Um, before we get going, and this is kind of a theme this week. I think we've uh, – actually, you know what? We've talked about four out of the five guys here before. Um, these are all guys that had some form of recruiting action this week. And, uh, you know, there's quite a few kids that got offers this week. Um, I'm trying to remember. There's a couple of names. Like, I think Job Kralik got one, right? Did, did he mm-hmm. get one from uh, Portland, Portland State? Portland yeah, State. Portland State has been yep. very active this this week, which hasn't really been the M.O. for Portland State in the last couple of years. They, they didn't really recruit super heavy up here, um, but they – couple of offers for some guys. Julian Lee, a guy that we talked about last week. Um, I mean, obviously, we want to give congratulations to all these kids. But Julian Lee, um, the kid out of North Thurston, if you want to go back and listen to that one, go listen to the last week's show. You can skip all the way to the back end of it and listen to the, probably the last 10 minutes. Um, but, yeah, out of North Thurston, defensive end, he uh, defensive lineman, I guess I'd say, uh, he picked up his first offer as well. I mean, just awesome stuff seeing all these offers going out right now. But the five guys I want to talk about, <clears throat> um, the first one, to talk about is a young man who committed uh, just last week on the 22nd, so committed on Friday. Uh, that's Nate Pritchard out of Auburn Riverside. Brandon, a young man that you're very familiar with. You've known him for quite a while here, 6'5", 285. First off, what kind of player uh, are the Cougs getting, and uh, you know what kind of led to that commitment? Well, I, I think they're getting a player that's got his best football ahead of him, and it's not because I don't think he can play now. He's you know had a really good junior year, uh, kind of took the comments of the offseason I he lives down the street from me, and I almost uh, backed into him the other night, not realizing that he and my son were talking as he was going through a jog in the neighborhood. So, two fans don't worry, I didn't hit him. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy 6'6, 6'5, 6'6, about 275, 285, was a state qualifier in heavyweight wrestling, and just the nicest guy. And as he's developing a mean streak, and I remember you texted me during the game in the fall, like he just steamrolled a guy on a run. And that's the kind of stuff you're seeing where, 
as he continues to trust his body and to realize that he's bigger than the guy across from him, he has a chance to be a really good offensive lineman at the next level. And the Cougars are the first Pac-12 school to offer. I know a number of Pac-12 schools came by in January, and a number were coming by in May to see him again. But Washington State getting the early offer and getting the early commitment from him, and that's a good pickup for, for Jake Dickard and the Cougs. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think he has absolutely – like he is not even close to his ceiling, like not even close. Like I don't want to say it this way maybe because it sounds bad, but like he doesn't even really know what he's doing yet. You know what I mean? Like he is out there playing really good football. And once he has an opportunity to really, you know, go full bore on a college campus, I think it's going to be really exciting. I I really do. That's a kid that just has consistently gotten better. I remember you and I talking probably somewhere around this time, last year where it was like hey we're waiting and watching on this kid hoping that it happens and i think it really yep. started to happen last year and i'm really excited for his senior season i think i think he's just going to i think he's going to really explode you know what i mean like i i think he's already exploded a little bit but i think it's going to really really take off uh another man that committed uh Connor Noah listed as an athlete 5'11 198 out of Kelso High School down uh what is that? Is that is that Clark County? No, that's not Clark County. That's uh, Cowlitz. Yeah, it's right, right above Clark County. Yeah, play a lot of Clark County schools though. Yes, they do. Uh, actually, they play in that Greater St. Helens League. Uh, commits to Nevada, and um, you know, well, how do I say this? Um, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say here. Um, with Connor Noah, first off, it says athlete. There's no defensive ideas here, right? This is athlete on the offensive side of the ball. Like, I don't want to compare him to Christian McCaffrey because that's not fair, but kind of that same idea, right? Yeah, running back, slot receiver. Vitalo is the one recruiting him, so they're going to use him as a guy to get the ball into his hands. Yeah, he's going to be – he's an interesting one to watch. Uh, Speaking of interesting one to watch, a guy who, when you talk explosive and just the things he can do – this week picked up uh, an offer from Michigan State, Rashawn Clark, out of the class of 2024 Federal Way. Uh, he is in the top 247. We talked about him a few weeks ago. It seems like his recruitment is has taken off, but also it seems like there's still maybe even a lot left to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. And interestingly about Rashawn, he was the first 2024 in the state of Washington to get an offer when he got it going into ninth grade from Florida Atlantic. He's since added a bunch of Pac-12 offers. Oregon offered him last week. Michigan State offered him this week. Uh, a couple of offers there that I think resonated with him. He was one of the first in-state 2024s to get an offer from the previous staff at Washington. Had it reaffirmed when the new staff got there. Um, Michigan State and Oregon both offered him as an athlete. I think he's a corner. I love him as a defensive guy. Played maybe even a nickel. Uh, but he's got a lot of offensive juice. I mean, as a freshman, when he was playing at life, Christian made a pretty big impression offensively. But I think long-term, his best position is on the defense side of the ball. Yeah, he's a fun one. He is, he is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, just explosive. I mean, he just really is. That dude can do so many different things. Uh, another one here. Uh, picking up a, a few offers this week. Oregon, Washington, Michigan State. There's an article right now on the front page of Cascadia Preps. Uh, Kyan McDonald, cornerback, 5'10", 175. Out of O'Day High School, class of 2024, listed right now as the number 10 recruit in the state of Washington for the class of 2024. What can you tell us about Kyan? We've talked about him a little bit, but not as much as we probably should have. Yeah, you know, it's funny. His older brother Hayden plays at Columbia now, was on the uh, O'Day team that 
played the state championship game in the 2019 season, uh, then played during the spring COVID season. But I remember him telling me about Kyan when he was going into his freshman year, he got a scene at the COVID sevens. And he looked like he was every bit of high school already, but he was just going to be a freshman. Uh, started for O'Day this last season. Uh, a guy that can play corner, he can play safety, he can play nickel, he can play really any spot. Tremendous ball skills, great instincts, he's physical. Um, you know, Hayden was a damn good football player, but Kyan probably has more upside than him. And I, I know as the oldest brother, that's never what you want to hear. But I think there's some pride there with his brother getting recruited. And I have a feeling he's going to be well past double digits by the time O'Day takes the field this fall. Yeah, that kid is on the rise. He's <laughs> on the rise and it is going up and it's going to be a little <laughs> little while before it starts to level off most likely. Uh, the last one on our list here for today, uh, a young man out of Kamiak High School up in Muckleteo, class of 2025, listed at six foot four, 210 pounds. I feel like he's heavier than that. Um, Teandre Waverly, offered by the uh, University of Washington, listed as a tight end. Do you think there's any opportunity for him on the defensive side of the ball or do you think he's strictly a tight end? I think he's a tight end. You know, he's played a lot of seven-on-seven as a receiver now, realizing that his body is going to be better suited as a tight end. Um, he's running, I think, a, like 11-3, 11-400 as a freshman, which isn't bad, especially for a guy of that size. Yeah. Uh, but he will, you know, the state has produced some really good tight ends in these last couple of years, and he's the next 2025 uh, and the first player from the state of Washington to get an offer from the Huskies in this cycle, so you know, expect a lot of big things playing from a guy Brian Thomas up there at Kamiak, a former Robert Riverside coach. Um, and Teandre's a guy that I think he's going to see. You know, as now that he's got the Washington offer, that probably just made Kamiak even more desirable for coaches to make the drive up there. Listen, you're already going to be driving to Ferndale and to Linden and to Bellingham, so you might as well just stop in at Kamiak and get some shrimp cocktail there at the Muckleteal. Whatever it is, go get something to eat. But uh, 200 Waverly will be drawing a lot of eyeballs on her now, especially with that Husky offer. If you're looking for somewhere to eat, and you know usually I'd start talking burgers here, Brooklyn Brothers Pizza is really, really close oh, to Cam. You took me there. You, we, I, and we, I went to the one, I want to say, in Kirkland. Mill Creek. No, where do we, we went Mill to the one in Mill Creek, Creek yes. before the uh, Archbishop Murphy, Murphy game. Archbishop Murphy Garfield game. Yep, and there's Where's one. Tyler there's one. It's really close to Kamiak. Um, Kyler Gordon, who we might be talking about next week because I anticipate he'll be picked tomorrow night, if not by Friday. Yes. Murdered somebody on the opening kickoff. I think we – I mean, I, I, I think it's kind of funny the fact that here we are uh, an hour and seven minutes, and we haven't even mentioned that the NFL draft is tomorrow. We're, we're saving it for next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Are you Before we go, are you a big draft guy? Well, I'm a Browns fan, so usually we're drafting in the first hour. But <laughs> – now I don't think we draft until 2037 with all the picks that were traded away for Deshaun Watson. So I will not be – I kind of have that less need approach to the, me, to the draft this year of FM picks. Yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, I, I think the thing I like about the NFL draft is, one, I, I love watching film. So, like, watching film on guys I think the Seahawks are going to pick. It's awesome. And then the second the Seahawks do pick a guy, I just instantly go find his film and watch that too. And, like, it's just – I don't know. I love the NFL draft. It's one of those things that is really stupid, and I it's it's one of those things that you look at, and you're like, why do people get so hyped over this? But we do. I mean, people go nuts for like a seventh round pick. Those guys don't even make the team most of the time, you know. Like those guys, those guys end up on another team to start the season more than likely. Um, but uh, yeah, I love the draft. I especially like it. You know, obviously, like you said, Kyler Gordon. Um, there's a couple other guys. I'm trying to think of. 
who it was that uh, they were talking. Oh, Abe Lucas, a guy that we probably would have mm-hmm. seen. Oh, no, maybe we wouldn't have seen him that night. Because that would have been the year after. No, I believe, he, right? he graduated. That yeah. was the year after all the forfeit games. So he was a freshman over there by that point. Yep, yep. And he, a, a lot of the stuff I've seen kind of has second, you know, second round pick for him, potentially third round at the latest type thing. And, um, I mean, not surprising. That dude was unbelievably huge in high school, and he has just gotten bigger and better. And he's fun to watch. Um, i trying to think. Was there anybody else that was potentially getting drafted that was local? Um, not off the top of my head. Not that I, that I can think of. Maybe I'm missing somebody here, but – um, either way, it's always fun to watch anyway. And, you know, when you start talking, we talked about guys going to camp and trying to, you know, chase their dreams or whatever. Like these guys are legitimately realizing Legit. a dream over the next couple of days. You know what I mean? So that's always really, really cool to see. I would love to see the Seahawks <coughs> take a center. Tyler Linderbaum is, is unbelievable at Iowa. The other guy, and I think maybe you and I might have mentioned him. I love Cam, Cam, Cameron Jurgens out of Nebraska. But then there's yeah, another yeah. one, Alec Lindstrom, is uh, out of Boston College. I love that guy, too. fact of the matter is the Seahawks need probably two offensive linemen out of this draft, a center and maybe even a left tackle. So it'll be cool to watch. Brandon, when you watch the draft, do you, like, do you like see these kids? And then, like, as oh, this guy gets drafted, you know, uh, Aiden Hutchinson drafted number one, let's just say. Do you instantly start, like, having memories of, like, him in high school and, like, watching his film or anything? So I'm going to – that's a great question, Rylan, because about four months ago when Georgia was beating Alabama for the national championship, there was a play that was made that went viral. And it was a play that defensive lineman Travon Walker made where he shed his block and ran down – I want to say it was Jamison Williams before he tore his ACL and ran him down for a tackle. Now, why do I bring that up? Because we used to have this feature on 24-7 called My Five Stars where you would name your 32 top players that – even though we have a committee that kind of comes up with the entire rankings, you do your own 32 five stars. And in 2019, I was the only one at 24 seven that went against the grain. Tony Alfano, who's had some major off the field issues, some demons, some health issues, never quite found his place at Alabama, went to Colorado, didn't play. He was the number one player, but I went rogue because my vote for the number one player that year was Trayvon Walker. So I of course went and found my story. I haven't saved for tomorrow night, but in the 2019 class, I said that my number one player in that class was Trayvon Walker. And now there's talk that he might go number one. So there will be a little bit of, you know, back patting with all the busts that I get blamed for. I will be tooting my horn if Trayvon Walker goes in the top two or three picks. But I watched him that week in San Antonio, and he was just incredible. The way he made plays, you know, and there was all the talk about Nolan Smith. There was Kayvon Thibodeau in that class who was down in Under Armour that year. But I walked away going, dude, Trayvon Walker is the best player. And there's all these people that are knocking, you know, his stats in Georgia. And that's fine. You know, but it also might be appealing because he doesn't have a lot of tread that's been taken off the tires. He's got doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. Um, but all that to say, yes, I 100% go back and look like where did I have that guy ranked? You know, am I going to hear about this from fans like I did with the Super Bowl MVP, even though that was Jake Worthen's fault? Um, or am I going to, you know, be able to be like, yes, pat myself on the back? Jake Worthen not even here to not even here to, to defend himself. Well, they bring him on straight. one day. What we'll have to bring sorry, him on Jake, one day and just start off with today. like. Hey, Jake, it's great to hear from you. I haven't seen you in a while. Hey, just wondering, what the hell happened with Cooper Cup? Why didn't you have him? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why wasn't he ranked really mm-hmm. high? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, trust me. I, I, the day after the Super Bowl, I said, hey, thanks for not ranking. Because at that point, Jake was doing Evergreen State preps, which, which predated Cascadia preps. And so I was doing all the big picture national. And at that point, he was in the class where Greg Biggins was still at ESPN. 
So I had the entire West all by myself. Jason Jewell helped me in Arizona. But, like, I had to basically focus on all the top dudes in the entire West region. And so that's always been my excuse. But I told Jake, hey, thanks a lot, Jerk. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that guy screwed it up for everybody, right? Like Everybody. Oh, man. I do miss seeing him at games every now and then. Like, I, I feel like he and I didn't see each other nearly as often as I see you. But um, it was always funny because kids would walk up and, and talk to me, and I'd be like, no. Go talk to that guy first because he is way more important than me. <laughs> go talk to that guy, please, right now. I do the same thing with yeah. you sometimes, too. Like, if a kid comes up to me, I go, you came up to me, and Brandon Huffman is standing right there. Like, <laughs> anyway. Uh, then I'm just like, yeah, no, go talk to Ryan. Go talk to Ryan, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's funny because I, I feel like you and I do the same thing, like, uh, like you know what I think Micah does to me now? I think Micah sends me kids that, like, ask for profiles or, like, different things. And then I think I end up sending some of them on to you. <laughs> We're just passing and these guys around. We used to have this phrase when, when we had a lot of field reporters back when, I, when Scout was on by Fox. We used to call them, you got hucked. And what that meant was that if, you know, it was a low-tier player, low recruit, but a coach was like, hey, can you do an interview for this guy? I would send it to the field reporters. And the field reporters like, oh, I talked to this guy. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. Like, did you just huff me? I said, I sure did. And they would do an article on a kid. Who are you hearing from? Um, no one. But I'll let you know if I do. And it's like, I'll go back to the coach. Why did you ask me to interview that kid? Oh, you know, I needed you. So I stopped doing those a long time ago. But there, there became a phrase for that. It, it was, did you just get huffed? And now Biggins and Blair and I will all be like, did you, did you just huff yourself? I'm like, yeah, huff yourself. That's uh, it's one of those terms that if you don't know what it is that is being said, you could really <laughs> – yeah, you could really take really that one. There. Like if you're standing there going, "Wait, what the hell did he just say to him?" <laughs> yeah, completely. All right, that sounded way bad. Well, let's get out of here. Uh, you're headed down to the Bay Area this weekend. Have fun down there. Bay Area. Um, yeah, it sounds uh, <coughs> sounds like it'll be one of those trips that is uh, exciting and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like exciting and emotional and fun all at yeah. once. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's. It's pretty cool the things that uh, science and, and you know medicine and everything that's going on. So uh, be sure to check out AveryStrongDIPG.org, AveryStrongDIPG on all social medias, because he is Brandon Huffman of the Avery Huffman DIPG Foundation. And at 24-7 Sports, I'm Ryland Spencer of Cascadia Preps. Diddly poo. Hit the wrong button. I meant this one. What's that? Cascadia Preps, Jim. You've been listening to Huffman and Spencer on Cascadia Preps Radio. We will talk to you next week. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.